0: So we are in Genesis chapter 25 today. Quick recap, in chapter 23, we saw the death of Sarah and Abraham uh, buried his wife. Uh, Then in chapter 24, we saw uh, after Sarah died, we saw the marriage of Isaac, how that Abraham sent his servant uh, to find Uh, a bride for Isaac and he went and found Rebekah and brought her back and Isaac uh, took her and put her in Sarah's tent, a place of honor, and said that his heart was comforted uh, in the death uh, of his mother. So now we come in to Genesis chapter 25 and we're gonna see here the death of Abraham. Now, to put the book of Genesis into perspective a little bit, there's 50 chapters in the book of Genesis. There's been quite a few. That, first of all, we had primarily a focus on Adam and Eve. Then we had a focus on Noah. Uh, after that, um, we had um, a focus on Abraham and uh, just a couple of chapters on Isaac, uh, but now after the, here at the death of Abraham, basically for the rest of the chapter, for the rest of the book, so for about 25 chapters, the focus is gonna be on Jacob uh, and his sons. So that's where we are. Uh, So that puts the book of Genesis into a little bit of perspective that the main character throughout the entire book uh, is gonna be Jacob, Which we know is where uh, the nation of Israel and the 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 Jews uh, came from uh, through his twelve sons. So in verse one down through verse number eleven, we're going to see the death of Abraham. So verse number one. Then again, Abraham took a wife, and her name was Keturah, and she bare him Zimran and Jokshan and Medan, and Midian, and Ishbak, and Shua. And Josh, Han, begat Sheba, and Dedan, and the sons of Dedan were Ashuram and Lethushim, and Lemim, and the sons of Midian, Epha, and Epher, and Hanak, and Abia, and Eldab. all these were the children, of Ketra. And, gave, and Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac. So let's stop right there for just a moment. So here Abraham is 140 years old uh, after the death of Sarah. Uh, and he has um, two sons, Ishmael uh, and then Isaac. And what does he do? after the death of Sarah, but he gets married yet again at 140 uh, and has six more sons. He was, he was a spry devil, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> <They might>. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's different opinions of when this marriage took place. Uh, some say that it's only mentioned here, but that he actually married this woman uh, before the death of Sarah um, while she was still alive. Others believe that he married her after Sarah's death. Um, during he, he basically, after Sarah's death, lived 38 more years. I personally uh, go with the latter. I think that he married her after the death of Sarah. Uh, and I think just as Rebecca... Uh, Isaac marrying Rebekah comforted him. I think that's uh, how Abraham dealt with his grief uh, was by taking uh, another wife. So I think it is in chronological order here that he married her after uh, the death of Sarah. Uh, And then we see there in verse number five, and I'm gonna go ahead and read verse number six too. And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac But unto the sons of the concubines which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac, his son, while he yet lived eastward unto the east country. So here, once again, uh, Abraham recognizes Isaac as the sole heir, just as he sent Ishmael away uh, and Hagar (coughs) so that Isaac would be the sole heir. Here he has six children uh, with his third wife, uh, Keturah, and he gives them gifts and sent them away. That He wanted no doubt whenever he died uh, in who was the heir, and the heir was Isaac. And Isaac was the heir because that's what God said. So God said it would all uh, flow through Isaac. So not only, and now remember, we're not just talking about his wealth and his property and his herds and all that. We're talking about the promises of God. So everything that Abraham was promised goes to Isaac. And that's critically important. And we're going to see that here in a minute. We've talked about it a couple of times already. Now, some people may say, well, what were these gifts uh, that he gave his other six sons? Uh, Probably money, but most likely uh, it was uh, starter herds. So he probably gave them flocks of sheep and goats and camels and those kind of things. Uh, Abraham was very, very wealthy uh, and he gave them uh, gifts and then sent them away. Uh, So they didn't go away, you know, starving or doing without. Uh, He took good care of them. Uh, But it wasn't, once again, I come back to it wasn't about the money. Uh, It wasn't about the property and the wealth that Isaac was heir to. Isaac was heir mainly uh, to the promises of God. Now, in verse number one, it calls Keturah, his wife. But here in verse number six, it talks about uh his the the children of his concubine so to understand that so is she a wife or was she a concubine well we have to understand what that word concubine means it's got a couple of meanings you can see here the definition in the notes one meaning is a woman who cohabits with a man to whom she is not legally married a mistress Uh, so we know that uh, king solomon had many many concubines that he was not married to, he had a bunch of wives, and he had a whole bunch of concubines. But the word concubine can also mean uh, a polygamous marriage, uh, a secondary wife, usually inferior in rank. So a concubine could also refer to a full wife that somebody has taken, uh, but they would be that second, third, or, or fourth wife uh, if he has multiple wives at the same time. And then in the Muslim societies, uh, it is a woman residing in a harem and kept as by a sultan. Um, So it has a couple different meanings. Now, if we look at it uh, and read it, it says, unto the sons of the concubines, plural. So at this time, he only had one wife because he took uh, Hagar to be his wife. Remember that? Uh, He actually married Hagar, but then he sent her away. So in a sense, he kind of divorced her, uh, made her go away. Sarah was his wife, but Sarah has passed away. And now he has Keturah. And then it says, of his concubines, plural. So I believe that the Bible didn't make a mistake and make that plural when it should have been singular. Because at this point, even if concubine was referring to his wife, Uh, there was only one, and that was Keturah. So at this point, uh, it looks like that not only was Abraham married again, but that he had concubines, and he had children with them as well. Uh, So we're not told how many concubines, and we're not told how many children, but concubines is plural. So it looks like, most likely, that there was more sons just then, more children other than just these six sons uh, that are mentioned. And also, we have to remember that in the Bible uh, for, uh, not because women are not important, there are women that are mentioned, but because of lineage and family tree, uh, most of the time only the sons are mentioned. So even with Keturah, when it mentions that he had six sons with her, he may have had five or six daughters too. Uh, Who knows? Uh, But he looks like he did have uh, others uh, other than just uh, his wife. Now verse number 7, it says, These are the days of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived a hundred, threescore, and fifteen years. Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. And his sons, Isaac and Ishmael, buried him in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, which is before Mamre. The field which Abraham purchased of the sons of Heath, there was Abraham buried and Sarah his wife, and it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac and Isaac dwelt by the well of Lahorah. So here we see that Abraham, uh, in verse 7 and verse number 8, Abraham was 175 years old when he died. And the statement that says, and was gathered to his people, is basically describing the funeral. So it means that uh, all his people, uh, all his servants, all his family uh, came together and uh, attended the funeral. Now, it's interesting that it mentions that Ishmael and Isaac was there uh, to bury their father. Now, it doesn't mention any of the sons of Keturah. It doesn't mention any of his other children. Uh, My guess is that they were all there. Um, or at least most of them were. But once again, uh, Ishmael and Isaac are the more important characters uh, of the children of Abraham, so I think that's why they were the only ones that was mentioned. I don't believe that they were the only ones uh, that were there. Uh, So if you'll remember, uh, Ishmael and Isaac had somewhat of a falling out. Uh, Ishmael was mocking Isaac, Uh, at the party that they threw for him for being weaned. Uh, And that's when Sarah said, uh, get rid of this child, he'll not be heir with my child. And that's when Abraham sent him away. So you can imagine uh, the hurt and the anger uh, in Ishmael's heart. But it seems like uh, they have somewhat reconciled, at least to the point that they could come together uh, for their father's funeral. But it said that... uh, Ishmael and Isaac buried their father. So they were both kind of uh, in charge, so to speak. So they both planned the funeral, helped conduct the funeral, worked everything out. Uh, So if nothing else, they came together uh, just to do the burial. Uh, Probably reconciled between these two men. Uh, At the time of Abraham's death, Isaac was 75 years old, and Ishmael was 89 years old. And of course, as I said, the other uh, six brothers are not mentioned. So here uh, is the death of Abraham. Uh, and he was buried in the same location uh, where he had buried uh, Sarah. Um, Isaac and Rebekah lived in uh, Beer Birhalori, which was where he came from. Uh, when he first met Rebekah. Now, if you'll remember the cave of, of Machpelah that it uh, mentions here, that is the, the, the place that Abraham purchased, and it is the world's most ancient Jewish site and the second holiest place for the Jewish people. It, it is also considered a holy place uh, for all the Muslim community as well. Uh, because Ishmael came uh, through the uh, line, I mean, the Muslims came through the line of Ishmael. Um, There's a large enclosure. uh, We talked about it built over top of the cave. Uh, It was a synagogue when the Muslims were in control. It was a mosque uh, when, uh, I mean, it was a synagogue when the Jews were in control of the area. When the, when the Muslims took over control, they turned it into a mosque, so it went back and forth uh, several times, but then what they did was they kind of split the building, and even yet today, one side is a Muslim mosque, and the other side uh, is a Jewish uh, synagogue, so both groups of people will go there and worship. It is a holy, sacred place to both groups of people, because... Ishmael came from Abraham, who where the Muslims come, and Isaac came from Abraham, which is where the Jews come from. So they both recognize Abraham uh, as being um, Father Abraham, uh, so to speak. So then we get into the descendants of Ishmael in verse 12, down through verse number 18. So let me stop real quick. Is there any comments or questions before we move on past uh, the death of Abraham. All right, verse 12. Now these are the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarah's handmaid, bare unto Abraham. And these are the names of the son of Ishmael by their names according to their generations. The firstborn of Ishmael, uh Nebajoth and Kedar, and Adbeel and Mid, Mibsam and Mib and Mishma and Dumath and Massa, Hadar and Temah Jetur, Napish, and Kadima. These are the sons of Ishmael, and these are their names by their towns and by their castles. Twelve princes according to their nations. Now. I think it's interesting that uh, Ishmael had 12 sons, and the Bible refers to them as 12 princes. Uh, They all went and started their own cities and had their own towns, uh, which basically what would happen is they would go with their family, and they would settle in a place. And then as their family grew and other people came and settled there, uh, they became the heads not only of the family... Uh, but also of the town that ended up uh, developing uh, there. So they were the leaders, not only of their family, but they were the leaders of the town, of all the people that settled there. So I think it's interesting that there were 12, just like not in Isaac, but then in Jacob, we will find that he had 12 sons, which come the 12 tribes of Israel. So I just think it's interesting that Ishmael had 12 Sons that all prospered and were leaders and did great. And then Jacob also had 12 sons who all prospered and were all leaders uh, and did great things as well. Um, Adam Clark said, uh, These are the generations of Ishmael. That quote, the object of the inspired writer seems to be to show how the promises of God were fulfilled to both the branches of Abraham's family. Isaac has been already uh, referred to. God blessed him according to the promise. He had also promised to multiply Ishmael. And an account of his generation is introduced to show how exactly the promise had been fulfilled unto him. And then we have the names of the twelve sons. Now, basically, what we have at this point, this is the only mention of uh, Ishmael's sons, and this is just about the last that we're ever going to hear of Ishmael as well in the book of Genesis. Uh, so as we can see, uh, the, the book of Genesis is focused on or will be focused on for the remainder uh, Jacob and his sons because that is where uh, the promises of God fallen through. Now in verse number 16, it says, that they were 12 princes and their nations. Uh, look in the notes. The Muslim religion is based on the Quran, which is the holy book of Islam, which was written by Muhammad. Now, Muhammad uh, was a direct descendant of Ishmael. <clears throat> so that's why the Muslims, Muhammad is kind of, uh, to put it in perspective for us, He's he's kind of viewed as the great prophet, similar to how we, we view Jesus. Okay, and Muhammad wrote the Quran, and he um, had the he took the authority to write the Quran because he was a direct descendant of Ishmael, and he said that it was all inspired to him uh, by God. Now, Muslims believe it to be pre-existent, perfect words of Allah. And anytime you hear the word Allah, that's referring to God, the Father, Jehovah, what we would think of as Jehovah God. That's who Allah is. Allah is the God of Abraham, okay? So what Muslims believe, just as you and I believe, That this Bible that we have here is the inspired, inerrant word of God. That it was given to men, inspired by God, multiple authors, uh, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, with no contradiction, uh, with with nothing there. Uh, The Muslims believe the same thing about the Quran. It is holy, it is sacred uh, to them, and if you try to mess with the Quran, they will kill you. Isn't it a shame that the Muslims have hold their scriptures written by Muhammad more sacred than a lot of Christians hold the holy word of God? How many many different versions of the Quran are there? Does anybody know? There's one. (laughs) And it's sacred, it's holy, and it will not be changed. And if you try to change it, I'm telling you, they will they will take it seriously. If you try to come out with a revised version of the Quran, they, they will hunt you down. Okay. I listen, I'm not going to hunt anybody down, but I feel just as passionate about the Word of God that we have before us. I don't believe it should be changed, can be changed. Uh you know, it's interesting to me, and I'm not trying to be mean. I, I'm really not. <clears throat> it's interesting to me how people say, well, Terry, first of all, this myth about the, the revised versions of the Bible are so that they're easier to understand. I hope all of you all realize that, that that's what they say, but that's not true. Okay? There's, there, I, I, can, I can show you words in the NIV that you and I do not use in everyday language, and if I asked you what that word meant, none of you would be able probably be able to tell me. So it wasn't it wasn't changed to make it easier to understand. We have to understand groups of people get together and come out with a revised version because they want to put their doctrine into the scriptures. And the doctrines they don't believe with, they want to water down. That that's that's what it is. They can say all they want that it, it, they want it to be easy to read. Here's in my mind the question in my mind, okay? So many Christians, good Christians, okay? I'm not, I'm not talking about not good people. Good Christians that love the Lord will look at the scriptures, the King James Bible, and they will say, I just don't understand it. I can't comprehend it. Some of these folks are mechanical engineers, chemical engineers, doctors, lawyers, educated people. Listen, I've got news for you. Calculus is much more confusing than the King James Bible, if you can do algebra if you can do calculus you have the mental capacity to understand this book and it's amazing to me that people that have degrees and that are educated will then turn right around and say i'm not smart enough to understand this book when i read it that that, that's just amazing to me uh but anyway that's a side note all right um the, the, the Quran teaches that Ishmael was the child of promise. And so Muslims believe that God's covenant promises were meant for Ishmael's descendants, not Isaac's. Muhammad descended from Ishmael. And so Muslims seek to lay claim to the covenant promises, especially the land of Palestine, the promised land. Remember, the promised land went from uh, um, the Nile River all the way to the Euphrates River. So it covered parts of Egypt, parts of Iran, almost all of Iraq, that whole Middle Eastern country right there. All the countries <laughs> right there in what we consider the Middle East is the promised land that God promised. And uh, this, is the, one of the, this is the main reason why there is so much hatred between the Arabs or the Muslims and the Jews the Jews believe that God promised the land to, to Isaac and to them ultimately. And the Muslims believe that God promised the land to Ishmael and ultimately to them. That's why they call it a holy war. Uh, because both of them believe in the God of Abraham. And both of them believe in Father Abraham. But they disagree on who God's promises actually flowed down through. Uh, so that's that explains... Uh, You know, I I always like to say that all the trouble in the Middle East, uh, first of all, the United States is not going to fix it. Neither is any other country in the world. Until Jesus Christ comes back and takes the church out, okay, the Jews and the Muslims are going to fight and they're going to hate each other. It's not going to change. Okay, it's a sibling rivalry, it's a family rivalry, and nothing is going to fix it, nothing is going to change it. That doesn't mean we shouldn't try, it's just never going to happen. Now, verse number 17 uh, says, and these are the years of the life of Ishmael, hundred and thirty and seven years, and he gave up the ghost and died, and was gathered to his people. Once again, we see that, and was gathered to his people phrase, which means that there was a big funeral, and all his family and, and acquaintances all came to it. Now, Ishmael was 137 years old when he died. And his life, if you'll notice, is not described in the same manner as Abraham was. Uh, In verse 8, it was said of Abraham that he died in a good old age, an old man and full of years. So what's the significance of that passage? It's telling us that Abraham died in peace After a long life dedicated to serving God. It wasn't that Abraham lived to be 175 and Ishmael only lived to be 137. Because 137, it could have been said that he died in a good old age. 137 is a good old age, right? Um, And it doesn't say that he was full of years. Uh, The full of years phrase is a reference meaning completely and totally satisfied. Abraham faithfully served God for over 100 years. His journey started when he left Ur of the Chaldees at age 75 until he died, uh, completely satisfied at age 175. So basically, Ishmael's life was blessed because God said that he would bless Ishmael and his descendants, and and he has, uh, and we can see that in the world in which we live today, Um, but he was not content and happy like Abraham was because he didn't walk with God, he didn't serve God. And he received the blessings of God, but he didn't honor God. Now, how? why would God do that? Why would God bless Ishmael who doesn't serve him and doesn't honor him? Because God does not uh, renege on his promises. Just like today. There, there are Jews today that are atheists and do not believe in God, but they still have the blessings of God on their life because God said so. God said that he would bless um, the the nation of Israel, the, the children of Jacob, Uh, He would bless them, that they would be prosperous, and they would number like the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. And when you look at where is the wealth and the power in the world that we live in today, a lot of people would say it's in the United States. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Even the United States, even Germany, okay, even Russia, all countries around the world, economies are held by the Arabs who have all the oil, which is where the promised land is. That's where the power lies in this world. If the Arabs wanted to completely destroy the German economy or the economy of Russia or the economy of the United States, they could do it in a few short weeks. All, listen, think about this. What if, the, what if all the Arab nations decided they were not going to sell oil to the United States at any price. What then? You going to walk to work? Gas prices would go to $15 a gallon until we ran out, and then there's none. So where, where is the power in this world? It lies with whoever owns, whoever controls the oil, controls the economy of the world. Who owns owns the oil? The descendants of Abraham. Because God gave them the promised land. He only gave it to the Jews, but the Muslims believe it's theirs. But you see what I'm saying. The wealth of this world lies almost solely with the Muslims and the Jews, who are descendants of Abraham. So if we really want to look at it, we, we are one of the most powerful nations in the world, but we can be crippled in a matter of months. Because it, you know, it'd be kind of hard to go to war if you don't have any gas or oil. <laughs> you don't have jet fuel. What difference does it make that you have bombers that are stealth bombers and fighter planes and everything else if you, if you can't turn the engines on and get them off the ground? So that's... uh, So when we look at the word of God, we see that that God's word absolutely has come true. Um, Now, verse number 19 down through verse number 34, we'll see Isaac and his sons. And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. uh, And Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, this is verse number 20, uh, to be his wife, the daughter of Bethuel. The Syrian of Padanaram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian, and Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. Now, I've always listen. God's, God's got a sense of humor, and if you don't think so, all you got to do is read Scripture. Okay, isn't it interesting? That God gave Abraham a promise that his seed would be numbered, would be prosperous, and would be numbered as the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea. But yet, Sarah could not have children. (laughs) They had to wait forever for Sarah to give birth. And Sarah basically had, she had one child, and that child was Isaac, and that's where all the promises flowed through. Now... Isaac received the blessing, uh, the promises of God, that his seed would number like the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea. But Rebekah, his wife, also was barren and could not have children. You would think that Isaac would have had 10 or 15 kids, right? Nope. (laughs) I just think that's funny that here God made this promise But then made them have to have faith. And they had to believe. And they had to be patient. And they had to wait. Any of you ever had to do that? Any of you ever had to wait on God to do something that you wanted it done yesterday? He didn't start with me and you. (laughs) He started with Abraham, right? Even before that. I just always thought that that was so interesting that God made this promise. And you, you would have thought that Abraham would have had Thirty or forty kids, right? That that it would have started there. Did God's promises come true? Yes, we can see in the world as we mentioned a minute ago. God's promise absolutely came true, uh, but not in Abraham's lifetime. Abraham never got to see it. Um. But Isaac entreated the Lord, or he he prayed and he begged God uh, that uh, she would have a child. And then Rebecca ultimately did conceive. Verse number twenty-two, and the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. So basically, Rebecca uh, when when she was carrying at that time she didn't know she was having twins, okay? All she knew was that. This was not a normal pregnancy. She was having complications. She was having problems. I'm sure she was in pain. I'm sure she was extremely uncomfortable. Even the midwives and the people that were around her were worried and concerned because this was not a normal uh, pregnancy. And she was having problems. So basically she went to God and she said, God, why am I having to go through this? So when she did, she inquired of the Lord. God answered her. The Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. So what did God tell her? God said, you're having twins. (laughs) That's why this is not a normal pregnancy. You're having twins. And the other thing that we have to realize is in verse number 22, it said, the children struggled together within her. We will see a, a struggle. We talked about sibling rivalry between Ishmael and Isaac. We're going to have another sibling rivalry uh, with the, the sons of um, Isaac and Rebekah. Um, and they, they were fighting before they were ever born. They were struggling in her stomach, it says. So they were, they were at each other before, they, before she ever gave birth. Now, in verse number 23, it's real important what God said. God said, two nations will come out of thee, uh, that one would be stronger than the other, and that the, the elder would serve the younger. Well, you would think that the younger would be the stronger of the two. That's why the oldest one would serve the younger one. But if you assume that, you'd be assuming wrong. Uh, Verse number 24, And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb, just like God said. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. Esau means red. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. So here we have Esau and Jacob and Jacob, can, can you imagine uh, at being there at the birth, and here Esau comes out, looks like a carpet, right? And then the other child has got a hold of his heel <laughs> as he's being born. I mean, it's just all these things. Everybody that was standing around were like, what is going on? This is not normal. We've, we've, we've been midwives. We've seen births of many, many children, and this is not a normal birth because this was not Uh, you know normal people these were people uh, that were um, under the hand of God Um, Adam Clark said Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife Isaac and Rebecca lived 19 years together without having a child uh, and when he was 60 uh, Jacob and Esau uh, were born Um, Charles Ryrie said uh, the struggle within Rebekah's womb foreshadowed the struggle between these two people, the Edomites and the Israelites. So anytime in the Bible that you hear of Edom or the Edomites, those are all the uh, descendants of Esau. And anytime you hear uh, the Israelites referred to, those were all uh, the, the descendants of Jacob. The younger would occupy the preeminence place that normally went to the firstborn. Esau was red and hairy, which explains why his descendants were called Edomites because Edom means red. Jacob means hill catcher, trickster, or supplanter. And that's important because we will see in the life of Jacob that he was a trickster. That he always had something going on. He always had ulterior motives. He always had a plan. He, all, he was always going to come out ahead through the means of right or through some tricky Backhanded things, he was always going to come out ahead. Uh, and in verse number 27, and the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man, dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he did eat his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So the parents had favorites. Uh, Isaac favored Esau because he was a man's man. He was strong. He was a hunter. He was, he was an outdoorsman. And uh, Isaac respected that, and he loved Esau. Uh, he didn't hate Jacob. He just preferred Esau. While Rebekah did not hate Esau, but she loved Jacob. Jacob was a mama's boy, and Esau was a daddy's boy is what we would think of it. Um, and then verse number 29 Uh, Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said unto Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. Jacob's a trickster. He always had uh, a plan up his sleeve. He was always trying to get ahead by any means necessary. Okay? So... He wants uh, Esau's birthright for this little pot of stew uh, that he had made. Uh, Jacob said, Esau, had, Esau said in verse number 32, Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit is this birthright to me? He said, I'm, I'm, I'm faint. I'm getting ready to die. Was he getting ready to die? Probably not. Okay, he was not at the point of death. But he said, what, what do I care about my birthright? If I die today, the birthright is meaningless to me. Uh, And Jacob said, swear to me this day. And he swore to him and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, which is like a, it's like a vegetable stew uh, with beans. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. And it says, thus Esau despised his birthright. So Esau did not hate his birthright. What he despised it was, is Esau was arrogant. He believed and he felt that he could make his own way in life. He did not need the birthright. He did not need his father's wealth. That he was a man that stood on his own two feet. And he despised it in the sense that he felt like he did not need it. Now, when it comes time for Isaac to die, he really wants it. (laughs) But we will see that the trickster who tricked him into selling him his birthright tricks not only the birthright but he tricks uh, his father and Esau out of the blessing as well and we'll see that.